I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com Here at Tall Tales, we are committed to promoting diversity and supporting small businesses. Here's one we think you're going to love. Hi, um, my name is Geraldine. I am the founder of Royalty Dancers, which is a dancing brand here in Dublin. We have heels dance classes covered like R&B, hip hop and Afrobeat for beginners and all levels really. Royalty Dancers helps promote self-love, body confidence and self-worth in the new generation through dance. We just provide a safe space for everyone to just be themselves and be empowered. A space where they can tap into their inner self, their inner fears, we say. You can find them on Instagram and YouTube at Royalty Dancers. That's R-O-Y-A-L-T Dancers. Welcome back. Sorry, I definitely did a bit of research because the, the gnome thing was shambolic. So I'm trying harder. <laughs> no. Great feedback on the gnome thing. It was thing. brilliant. Shambles. <laughs> I let down the person who sent it in. I'm sorry. Stranger <laughs> whose name I still can't fucking still remember. Still can't find the name. Do you know what's great though? Another good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the two Johnnies. I, if you listen to them, I have for Actually, years. No. But it, it's brilliant. I'll take your word for it. Uh, they're My on taste with in Darren. podcasts is very left field. Like. I actually hate podcasts. I don't listen to any. Other than this one. <laughs> they're on with Darren and laughs of your... L- anyway, very good. Very good episode. Why very doesn't funny. she ever invite us on? I think it's just a matter Jealous. of time. Mm-hmm. Matter of time. Yeah. Jealousy. Jealousy. Maybe they don't have four mics. I don't know. We're no, just lit up here. Are. It's nighttime. We're recording. Feels better to be recording at night. This is our um, this is our home time. Yeah, we had an interesting week. We did an interview with Andrea Cleary from Sunday Business Post, and we told her that we record oh, the podcast God. at nine o'clock on a Friday morning, and she was most horrified about that. Oh God! We said a lot of things. The photographs, so guys, bad. so bad. <laughs> what is gonna happen? 
It's a great promo for our merch because we all wore matching hats. We looked insane. <laughs> Except for Sophie. <laughs> um, anyway, here we all are together. Thanks for coming in. A few new patrons. Great Zoom. We'll be back on tomorrow. Whatever I'm really day enjoying the Zooms again. Really enjoying them. Yes. I'm just saying that. I'm just are you, really... you going to have a drink every time again? Well, that's what the people want. So <laughs> don't seem I'm to giving be. it to them. People were disappointed last week that I didn't have a second large beer. So <laughs> um, I take feedback very seriously and I, I will do my usual Thursday cycle to the studio, have a little Sober. giant beer or two and oh, then yeah. cycle, cycle home. Um, well, I've, got a, I've definitely got a firm nomination for Creep of the Week. Go um, on. It's got to be Phil Collins' wife. What? His third wife, in fact. Why? What's it? the mother of the Emily in Paris woman? Um, she's the mother of the two sons. Um, she's, uh, let me see, her name is um, Ariane Xevi. Okay. Have you guys been following this at all? Rolls no. off the tongue. It's Not so at good. all. Okay. So she is, um, things have really deteriorated between Phil and Ariane. Um, she's living in his Miami mansion and he wants her out um, after it recently surfaced that she'd secretly married somebody else two months ago. What? <laughs> and now she's in the Miami mansion and he's trying to evict her, but she's threatened to expose some potentially embarrassing accusations like. against Phil. And um, she's also like changed all the codes on the house and like locked them out basically. And it's just, it's such kitchen sink stuff, except that it's all like taking place in this Miami mansion and there's like mega money. As oh yeah, if you take away all the money, they're just like us. Well, <laughs> speaking of the affair stuff, the other creep of the week has got to be that guy. Oh, Dominic West. Oh my God. No. Look, whatever. Wait, wait, before we oh, yeah, leave Phil on. and Ariane. So they got married back in um, 2001. Sorry, 1999. <laughs> 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 so they got married back then and they had like a great relationship. Two sons, everything. Then got divorced in 2008 after nine years of marriage. And um, that he was his third wife then. Right. Okay. No judgment. But, you know, that's a lot of wives. Um, and then, right, in 2016, they got back together. Huh. And like their sons by then were like in their late teens. And um, yeah, so they just gotten back together. And he, she, she'd gotten this insane settlement from their first divorce of something like 46 million. <laughs> they get back together, happily going through the whole of lockdown in their Miami mansion until she slipped off to Vegas in August to marry this other guy. Wow. Yeah. Ballsy. So there you go. Well, fuck you, Phil. <laughs> fuck Poor you. Poor Phil has been through so much. I actually had no idea. You know he can't drum anymore. Why? Why? Was he a drum? Did he do the... That's East Enders. I mean... It's you know, very good. The drums seem like a recreation. Feel it in the air. Tonight. That's the one I was thinking of. It just—it's oh, it, so iconic. But does it really require that much drumming talent to be like? Doo, yeah. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. Eastenders. Eastenders yeah. again. Impossible not to. So what's the story with his hands? Oh well, he was in. I think he was in a car crash. Uh, hang on, I'll get some confirmation on that. I feel like but worse things have happened to people. 
Then car crashes. No, then not being able to drum anymore and that being sad for you. But when you are a drummer. But he's not. He's Phil Collins. Devastating neck injury. Right. Back in, in 2007. Are you going to apologise? To who? Um, <laughs> I actually think the car crash now, I think I might have just plucked that out of nowhere. I see. Um, he actually dislocated vertebrae in his neck during a Genesis reunion tour. <laughs> so, so that... That may have been um, an act of God. That's funny, act of God. Trying to stop Genesis from reuniting. (laughs) Fucking Um, hell. I always confuse him and Van Morrison. They all fall in. And also, who's um, Rosanna Davids' dad? Christopher. They all look the same to me. Old men. They're all, they have vastly different fortunes. Yes. Like, we're talking maybe. True. Five million, I'm going to say 15 million, and then then Phil. But they're all sort of... Loads. Troglodyte in, you know, people who have wound up with these big, you know, it just, you know, you wouldn't see Susan Boyle hitting the kind of highs that they hit. What? That's just <laughs> being a man would is, is kind of propelling them to for, fame and fortune. And no one's like, wait a minute, look at the state of you. Are you acknowledging finally at last Susan Boyle's God-given talent? Ridiculous. Shivers. It gives me shivers. So good. It's on every playlist. A Wild Horses just appears on everything. Whether it's an up-tempo playlist, a slow driving songs playlist, there's always one. I miss this simulation entirely. This is just (laughs) bonkers to me. I think we were collectively just feeling sorry for her and then and then we just you got kind of Kool-Aided into believing it was a talent. It's just a talent. Terrible. Anyway, that's the That's uh, Phil Collins. I I think like creep of the week, but also it's kind of fun. It's fun because they're loaded. I mean the mansion is worth thirty three million. Fuck me. What does that even look like in a house? Ridiculous. <sighs> I'd say disgusting because mm. you can't buy a taste. You cannot buy taste. Um and as I said, her original divorce settlement, forty six million. That would only get her that one of l- the houses pricey. she's in. Though. That like, would that would get her the current house and a bit of change. Well, good luck to her. Good luck to her. She's my, the guy that she's married in her Vegas ceremony is uh, a little whippersnapper. Whippersnapper? Snippet. Snippet. Whippersnapper. Snippet. Whipper. Snippet. <laughs> he's 30, 31 years old. Um, ah, yes. A snapper so whipper. he's basically more than half uh, Phil Collins' age. Huh. So nah. fair balls to Ariane. She must have a tight little minge. I'd say this. Do you have to say that? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I feel like I've transitioned mentally entirely. Jesus. Face-wise, tight little minge. <laughs> DLM. That's what, that's the state yeah. of Phil. That's money. That's money. That's no, just someone putting a lot of money into their face. Why did he try to do anything with his face? I just feel like <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> like it's a constant mirror. Uh, you know, does he look, look like he, his you know what's happening? Eyes so, are so so peachy. <laughs> and then look yeah. at the lips. The gone lips entirely. So I'll just navigate it to his lower. What ir- do you think that woman throat. really looks like underneath all of that? <laughs> she looks like Phil. I just think if you're gonna go into the heavy plastic surgery you should try to sort of lure your partner into it as well so that combined so it's not such your a effect jarring is effect. not so jarring yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's the contrast here that's concerning yeah even mm. an old spray tan would have would have sort of <laughs> lifted him in that moment it's just <laughs> funny isn't it funny that's confidence soaps that's to get up every day or to go to an event and be like are you re- what's her name again 
<laughs> Ariane. Are you right there, Ariane? Right? Yeah. And she's coming down the stairs <laughs> and you're dusting some lint off your very old jacket and you're adjusting your toupe and you're looking at Ariane and you're thinking, yeah, we're both doing okay. Yeah, no I problems mean, here. No problem. I have nothing to worry about whatsoever. Isn't that this bonkers? This is totally fine. I've never seen any scenario like this before in my entire <laughs> life. She loves me for me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're both equal here. We're just yeah. equal consenting adults. I just have a life. lifetime of success and musical accomplishments and Ariane's just a wonderful person. Maybe Ariane did the whole misery trick on him except with the hands and there was no car crash at all. What? And she just broke his neck out of rage. It was like, there, no drumming for you. The misery for the movie. Maybe Phil needs help. <laughs> Is, is Phil okay? I think Phil is pissed off. He's been locked out of his He's mansion. He's been locked out of the mansion. Um, do you, have you never seen Misery? No. Oh I my God. Know. Catch Bates. Marvelous. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go, guys. Okay, okay. speaking of treat yourself. Dominic got a West. Little, uh, quick one. Uh, Dominic West and his mad affair with somebody. A young one. A young lady, an actress lady. Lily James. Did all this. Do you know what happened to them? They had the face masks on, right? And then they thought, we're grand. We're just going to rip the arse out of it here and go around on our scooters. You know, one person scooter, two people embraced on it and do all the kissy things. And no one will recognise us. But they did. I didn't see... The and pictures. So the weird oh. thing is, they did this like straight out in 1998 moment where himself and his wife came out of the house and said, we're, no, they left a handwritten note outside their house saying, we're still, we're strong in a relationship. Ha- happier than ever. Thank you very so much. So what is the scandal they shared a scoot scoot? No, he went off photographed kissing some young one. I haven't seen the photographs of him kissing her. Oh. I saw the awkward, f- oh, so there they are. It, yeah, uh, doing a bit of whatever, whatever's happening there. Who knows? But then the weird kind of outside the house. He's touching in, her head and things like that. head to toe in the same clothes he was wearing when he was uh, on, his kissy, a, kissy. on his kissy moment. The whole thing is <laughs> gas. He's, he's added a jacket it's, for the, uh, the photo op with the wife. So awks though. They just come out of the house like wearing kind of very, you know, I'd say, what's it like, this curated casual, like, you sure. know, uh, at home with outfits. And yeah. then they do a kiss for the cameras. She needs help. With the creepy little note prompt. We need up. to get her and we need to get Phil. Her and Phil might actually, could make a really good couple. She's Don't, an Irish aristocrat. Whose giant house the they live in though? Didn't even know that was a thing. She is. Whose giant house? They have a, she's got a castle. They. She does have a castle. I feel, I saw it somewhere in some program they were on. They did it. There's a the YouTube castle. channel. I think they did they do architectural digest or perhaps, something like that. Perhaps. Never mind. I can't believe that's in my head. I also thought like um initially when I was hearing about it, I thought they were going around Rome on a scooter, like a cool scooter, like a Vespa or oh, something okay. like that. No, no. No, no. This is a little motorized standy uppy scooter. Yeah. And the like, wizard mobiles. Do you ever see people floating around with a long coat on? Like if your coat with their little feet together. Yeah. Just perfectly upright. Yeah. Like if you were sitting not in a kind of low So you spot. were picturing an Olsen twin movie and what we actually have yeah. is just this weird modern shit show of a world that we live in. Yeah. Totally bizarre. But like the big smiley head in them and everything is just and so then they're just then they appear the they, couple the appear outside the house we don't, holding maybe, the handwritten note but that's maybe fine you know whatever it's their decision maybe it was a mistake maybe they're not shifting in the picture and yeah maybe he's just one of those space invaders or he's licking her face or something yeah like you're telling her a secret sure he's just standing always a shade too close we all know those people <clears throat> do you know what I mean 
Like your man out of the fly. What's his name? Jeff Goldblum. Jeff. Like Jeff. Jeff. Always yeah. just too Space close. Invader. Too fucking close. Interesting, but too close. Like that must be how people feel who have terrible eyesight. What? Like if you have very bad eyesight and you were trying to I do have very bad eyesight. Come and do you often find that you're moving too close to people for them to come into focus? Mm-hmm. And then forever the people are stepping away out of focus. So you <laughs> I don't try and get close to people to get them in focus. Oh you're not that, No. But, but that's but that's why not? Like if because I was if there's something you, was out of focus, I would move my head a bit slightly <laughs> towards it. <laughs> What are you work? hoping to see? Just like the high their definition of their in, pores. In, their face in focus. Okay, now I've... It's like people hard of hearing will often do that too. Yes. Become very close to you all of a sudden. <laughs> so <laughs> only, they keep moving because you're speaking and the minute you speak, Do you hate they people stop. who are visually impaired and hard of hearing? <laughs> I don't. I'm just observing things. I'm just an. I just. I. I'm married to a hard of hearing person, who's given up listening to me a long time ago. But when he did, he used to move close to my face when my lips were moving. Sorry, he could see that my lips were moving, but he couldn't actually. And then he would kind of float as the conversation ever closer, until you were like, "Why are you stuck onto my side of my face?" And that was him trying to get my words in focus. I feel like I'm writing a Phil Collins song. Am I okay? <laughs> no. No. I'm feeling so mean I could stop talking and we'd still get to an I, hour and a half of as I, was, as, as I was driving here, right, I stopped at the lights and there was an, an insomnia cafe right there to my left. And there was a man. And I glanced over and I was like, that man's blind, right? And really enjoying his moment. <laughs> But as I stopped, the lights were there for a while. I kept looking at him and he was just, in, he was blissed out, right? Sun was blasting onto his face, sitting outside the cafe, just eating this muffin with his eyes closed. And I just thought, maybe we should learn to eat things with our eyes. Maybe there's a certain kind of, maybe you can taste more when your eyes are closed. Like the fucking blind restaurant in the darkness. Maybe he was that, creating that for himself. That blind restaurant, that dining in the dark is to raise awareness for a blind charity. I, I, I have nothing against the blind. I don't think people... No, but I mean, I don't just think people go to participate enjoy food more in, in risking way. scalding themselves with soup because they want to experience the taste of it stronger. I think there's ways around... I Look... Anyway, whatever. Here we are. Sorry about that. I just thought that was a nice moment in my head. I thought I'd, at the time, I was like, I should share this on the podcast. And then as I drove off, I was like, that makes no sense. And now here I am doing the very thing I talked to myself out of. And it worked so well. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. Do you anyway, does anyone have a creep? I have something all about, uh, ooh, how could I say this? Here, I'll say it and then I'll explain it later. Ready? Go. Anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. Word right. I want to get this. Words? No, <laughs> anthropomorphic, bibliopicky, bibliopicky. Oh, books. Correct. Any other guesses? No. Fan fiction. No. no. Books made of human skin. Wow. And wow. other things. I have. I have a murder. Nice. Ooh. Lots of murders. Very interesting. Very good and interesting. Okay, wait. So my actual one is not that, by the way, that was just the headline of something else. But my actual one is, um, where is it? It's kind of like a a nice story very. about 
Uh, uh, right, I thought you already gave us the BuzzFeed. No, that was just just a headline I thought we'd all enjoy. Oh, are you not going to give us that story? Well, I'll give you a bit of it, but uh, no, my actual story is about um, 9-11. Oh, one, right. One, oh. Of my, one of my faves. Oh. I don't know why I want to spend so much time with 9-11. More hoaxes. I, I go back to it all it, the do time. Do we have a good hoax? Yeah, it's a hoax. We had, we did a, you did a good one. Yeah. The fireman's wife. Um, Tanya Head. Tanya. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh God, lads. And uh, during my journey, I, I kept going back and back in time about skin. And then I came across the Aztecs who did terrible, terrible things with you after and before you died. They just had this incredible way of skinning. They were just experts. Then they used to wear people like as a haha, fuck you after the fact. If you did something <laughs> really bad, they would just wear you after they killed Someone could make a pretty you. solid trench out of me, I feel. You could, you have the length for it. Yeah. yeah. Or a pair of leather trousers, which mm. incidentally, very expensive because you must get a very tall cow. <laughs> 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 or is it long? Long in the body. No, let's go no, with tall. It's a tall. tall. <laughs> <laughs> good question. What define? Yeah, never mind. Anyway, that's that's a couple of things. Also, I came across a thing. Didn't you mind. might have you guys heard of this? I think they called it the Devil's Bible. Or let me just get the real the Codex Gigas. You ever heard of that? No. Madness. You know the Book of Kells. Yeah. yeah. Imagine made that. Of skin. Only well, no, no, not made of skin, but only massiver. Right. Oh, yeah. And then it apparently was written in a day, apparently by a monk who oh, traded the again. ability to. He was like, OK, the monk was in trouble. He wasn't doing his whatever bits. And the, the head monk guy. Fucking here we go. Sorry, I'll have a real story after this, but uh, I won't tell it. I'll let someone else talk for five <laughs> seconds. Do you even should I finish talking now? Do it. No, right. no. no tell us you're so going. Us. Apparently, it's like you've taken the longest line of speed from Dunleary into the studio. <laughs> Sorry, I started sad and I'm getting happy. So here's the thing. He he was like, I'm in trouble. What can save me from my monk mates? He was who knows what he's caught doing. And they were like, if you write an opus, the best of all time in 24 hours, you'll be gr- you'll be saved. So anyway, he was 12 hours in and he was like, this is impossible. Oh no. <laughs> I've only written half a page and it was calligraphy. It takes fucking ages. Oh, they Jesus. have to be perfect. And, and waiting for it to and dry. And getting pieces and, yeah. flashbacks. So he did, he did an old deal with the old devil. So he did a prayer to Lucifer and mm-hmm. said, if you help me write this opus before the night comes up, you can take my soul. So he wrote this fucking huge book, according to him, in a day. And not only that, the end of it, it was all verses from the Bible and all that bullshit. He drew a gigantic picture of the devil. This is in like the 1500, 1480 something. And anyway, so the book exists. It went through all of this. The book managed to survive you know, hundreds of years. And it ended up, at one point, there was a load of kind of history with the book. Everyone was afraid of it, was cursed. At one point during a fire of the church it was held in, someone fucked it out the window to keep it safe and it killed someone. (laughs) So anyway, the book went on and then the Swedes came and invaded the country that it was in. I think it was in the Czech Republic and uh, took the book back to Stockholm, which is where it is now. And it's all, I can't remember why that's kind of the end of my story, but that's what led me to the skin books. Excellent. Love it. But here's a skin book. All right. Are you, do you, no, we'll break it up. Are you ready for the skin book? Skin is just like leather. It is leather. 
Totally. But, you know, when you get doctors involved and back then, you know, we're talking like 1800s. And you know how doctors, like we've talked about it a few times, they kind of turned into sort of, they had kind of, weird they just let them away stuff. with everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. They were like, okay, this one book, which is written in the 18 somethings, and it was all about women's vaginal bits, women's sex organs, and uh, written, you know, in that time of, it was all secret sex organs of a woman. Anyway, a, a sex worker died around that time. And the man who the doctor was like, I'm going to take her and look after her. So fuck knows what he did with her body after she was dead with her inner bits. But didn't he then keep her skin? Apparently, he urinated in a one of those, you know, bedpan type things. Stuffed her skin in. It was a way of tanning the skin, which was effective, but it seems overly... Strange to be mm. just pissing on a dead woman's skin, but he had a plan. So then he wrote this book all about her, you know, female sex organs, and then covered the book in her skin. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get more information. Do you have a picture? I don't have a picture. No, the pictures are boring because it's an old brown. So it just book. looks like a leather bound right. book. It looks like a leather bound book, but it's human. But flesh. In that instance, yes, it was human flesh. And a lot of libraries of kind of very old books will will suggest that yes, we have one of these in our private vaults, and most of them have been kind of found to be falsified. They're just regular leather, but some of them are not. So let me get this up. Vice did a great interview with the. Uh, with somebody I'm going to tell you about, as I never have anything handy here in the links. I apologise for my delay. Uh, here we go. This is Vice article by Simon Davis. Let's talk about binding books with human skin. Or that other word, anthropomorphic bibliopagy. Good, Sarah, that seems fine. So anyway, uh, they interviewed this uh, doctor, Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. She's a medical historian. And uh, she's an expert on all things human skin book bound so they ask her like what's the story why would anyone do this and she said it's really done for three reasons the first is punishment oh that's right there was two in the 17th century uh serial killers mm. who were they killed about 17 you know maybe i'm mixing up the age. anyway one of, they as punishment they were put to death and then as punishment they their skin was used to bind a book about law and order isn't that <laughs> fucking bonkers yeah but that's the kind of carry on that was happening back then so uh, here she says is a great example in Sturgis Hall in Edinburgh. This is the, these murderers, Burke and Hare, two serial killers, uh, killed about 17 people. Essentially, they were posing as body snatchers, but actually they were just killing everybody and selling the bodies to uh, anatomists for dissection. So they were caught and uh, sent to jail. Uh, but as part of the punishment, they were public, publicly dissected. Sorry, I'm not sure if they were, were put to death but anyway publicly dissected humiliating really I mean you're dead I mean it's a day out <laughs> it's a day out but also you're you're dead it's not it doesn't matter to you anymore yeah how is it an extra punishment that your skin went on to bind a book like surely that's a punishment for the person who's holding the book well the punishment was called the murder act and it was a play it was at uh, it was in place at the time so that meant if you murdered someone and you were executed for it you were also dissected publicly so it's part of the part of the punishment anyway so they took his skin created um all of these different objects for it one of which was a pocketbook which was essentially a wallet uh so burke is such a part of medical history that he's so so it's kind of weird anyway she goes on to think that she's she had been touching a lot of burke's human skin book and that made her feel feel strange <laughs> uh which it should 
So, <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of interesting information about anthropologic bibliopathy. I'm saying that wrong. I know people that's probably hurting people's minds. <laughs> but it, it went on into the late 19th century. And one of the reasons it was just a view on capital punishment. So anyway, that was interesting. But then the sex perverted doctor with his kind of own. So, yeah, that's 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 things that still exist today. And they still exist. There's some in Harvard Medical School in their libraries. There's they're in Edinburgh. They have books on Burke. So there you go. The book in Hocus Pocus. The book the in Hocus, Hocus Pocus. Pocus. Of course. Mm. Definitely. That's got an eyeball in it yeah. too. Yeah. So it's all there. Nothing is stranger than real life. That's real life. happened. It's true, isn't it? When you watch movies and things like that. All, all of it comes from somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking utter shite. I'm just going to retire into my mind here now. <laughs> I, everything I've said has just been great. worthy. Apologies. No, it's really, it's really the been. Talk it's been it's <laughs> real sorry. interesting to get the inner workings of Jen once. The, sorry. I mean, I was, that was what, 35 minutes? Sorry. Just, I've stopped now. Jen's I, corner. I've taken the hint. I'm over. No, it was really perfect. I do want to hear more about the blind man eating the muffin. In the sun. <laughs> he could oh be the tote design for 2021. <laughs> we should all blindly eat muffins. <laughs> it just looked so peaceful and lovely. <laughs> and you're nice sure moment. he was blind and he didn't just no, have. No, uh, not at all. He just had his eyes closed, which we can all do. <laughs> and we should. <laughs> was he stroking his pocketbook made of human skin? <laughs> Might have been so. Might have been. Might have been. Did you try and buy anything covered in human skin on eBay or anything like that? I, could, I feel no. like you get it on Etsy. Maybe oh, yeah, Etsy. Yeah. But I think that kind of shit, like most of the time, it's definitely going to be fake. And then like, who's going to prove that it's like the price of proving that even it's get, real You can't even take it to someone and be like, please prove this is real skin. Because I think it's still, it's still very illegal to sell bits of you. Mm. I think. Although teeth, there's a great trade on human teeth online. There. there is <laughs> yeah okay. is that why you've got the brace at the moment are you trying to get yours into ship shape I am I am where you yank them but out you remember, and sell them at a brought to you by spotlight do you remember a while care. ago I was filing down one of my front teeth with a nail file yeah I was like I chipped my tooth and I can't be arsed and I'm going to try this and then I saw it in the Daily Mail a few months later the kids were doing it and it was a big disaster <laughs> shocking but then I bought this like electric Are you sure you didn't nail file. Read the Daily Mail first. No, and kind of metabolize that 100%. article and then take the advice of the Daily no. Mail inadvertently. I've done that many times, but not on this. <laughs> not a, definitely not on this occasion because I read it going, "Ha! I think I might have started that." <laughs> <laughs> Influenced. <laughs> but I bought this fucking electric nail file then that plugs in with a USB to file down my braces. And then I tried it on my front tooth. Would not recommend. <laughs> it was a horrendous experience. It was just, you know, the second you do something, you're like, no, that's the experience of that. Bad. You could do serious fucking damage with that. Don't put anything electrical in your mouth. Well, just... electric toothbrush. Okay. Don't put anything that's still plugged Getting into, into a wall, Jen. <laughs> True. I never thought of that element. Of it, but I was not I'm picturing you with it. like an electric meat carver yeah. next, just going after your incisor. <laughs> I just don't want these as pointy anymore. <laughs> Lockdown. It sent me do lally. <sighs> that was thoroughly enjoyable. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> if you want more of that, please go and. Give Jen four euro a month on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much more. There's Ugh. so much more Jen behind the paywall. Do you want to hear a story about murder? Yes, please. Go on. A lady murderer. 
Very interesting. My favorite type. Have you ever heard of Jolly Jane? Never. So this was sent in to me from a creep. Match of the Sam day. Kenny. <laughs> Sam Kenny. That name comes up. There's a cat. That name comes up and down. Big creep. Uh, she said, check out Jolly Jane. And she was not wrong. It's a great story of murder. And I love a bit of equality. I love a lady murderer. They do it differently. They do do it differently. So... Jane Toppin, Jolly Jane, was born in March 1854 and she was born Honora Kelly. So her early life was a bit sad. She was the daughter of <laughs> Jolly <Irish> Jane. <laughs> Horrendous, orphaned <laughs> Jolly Jane. They're her, calling her Jolly Jane. I think they get to it later. That's she was the daughter of Irish immigrants and her mother, Bridget Kelly, died of TB when she was really young, leaving her in the care of her father, Peter Kelly, who was an eccentric man, an alcoholic and nicknamed Kelly the Crack by those who knew him and not oh. crack in the good way, mm. as in crack, crack pot. pipe. Yeah. He, there was loads of rumours around him and what kind of stuff he was getting up to. He was a tailor and he obviously had a lot of issues. One of the main rumours is that he sewed his own eyes shut. Amazing. Working as ah, a tailor. Driven to enjoy mad. his muffin better. <laughs> to enjoy his muffin better. And there we've gone full circle. The end. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash the creep dive. So in 1860, only a few years after his wife's death, he took his two youngest children, eight-year-old Delia Josephine and then his six-year-old daughter, Honora, to the Boston Female Asylum, an orphanage Yikes. for female children. He surrounded the two girls, never to see them again. That's Jesus. Harsh. Documents from the asylum say they were rescued from a very miserable home. So had he his eyes? I don't know. Sewn so, so shut. Surely as he's probably wearing exactly just like ricocheting he was probably probably just like mildly he could have been wearing sunglasses don't know there's no records of their time or their experiences during the asylum but reportedly Delia turned to a life of sex work and drugs and alcohol afterwards their older sister Nellie who wasn't sent to the asylum did end up in a facility for people well they're calling it an insane asylum but you know Jane Ended up, so Honor at that stage, ended up in the home of a woman called Mrs. Anne Toppin in Massachusetts. And they renamed her Jane Toppin there. So she was never formally adopted. What age was she? So she, I heard, in a couple of reports, it said that she was, it was 10 when they rehomed them. Renaming somebody. It's, it's late at 10. Absolutely. But it I think is. that that's a kind of, a kind of thing they did. So they, they made up a story about her that she was a an Italian orphan whose parents had died at sea because so of the, because of a real apparently oh, there's a real stigma around oh, the okay. Irish oh yes and then course. also like her father being mad she did well in school so they put her into school she did well she had loads of friends and but she had a she had a reputation for pathologically lying she told stories of her father sailing around the world but then she's also just gone out the story yeah but she was quite smart not a word of Italian not a word of (laughs) Italian not even an accent so the Toppins had another daughter yeah yeah the Toppins had another daughter called Elizabeth and she got on 
well with Elizabeth. When she was 18, she graduated from high school. They kept her on in the household as a servant. And then when Anne Toppin died, her daughter Elizabeth took over the house and was quite nice to Jane. So she still had her as a servant, but she was quite kind to her. She married a church deacon and they he lived in the house as well. So like seemed to be going fine, but there was some dispute. Something happened that Jane left the house that she had lived in for 20 years. So she left the house when she was 33. But then she decided to train as a nurse and Mm. she went off to Cambridge Hospital in 1887. And that's where she earned her nickname Jolly Jane because she was friendly and outgoing and really well liked in the hospital. She liked gossip and she had a podcast. She had a podcast (laughs) and it was a huge hit. It was sponsored and um, yeah, just a great win all around, (laughs) really. But she... Was like she was often recommended by the elders in the hospital for wealthy private clients as well. So she um, everything going for like really, really good. But. There was two faces to Jane Toppin. The hospital sorry grew concerned about her obsession with autopsies. Um, And it became clear that she was experimenting with morphine on her elderly patients. So overdosing oh. them slightly, bringing them back, <gasps> kind of controlling What year are we thing. again? 18. 1887. Well, this has been going on for some time, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. So like she has people who do this. Angels yeah. of death type. She's a pre-shipping. She is. So she is. Spoiler, basically. Jane is what many people refer to as a angel of death murderer. That's what so I these just are said. People. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I totally zoned out. It's focusing on my story. Cut that. No problem. No Cut problem. That. So funny. So uh, she, an angel of death murderer is someone who takes on a real caretaking mm-hmm. role and then, <laughs> did you say this? No, no. Pretty much. But I know. What did you say? I said, oh, she's it's, an angel of death. I don't know if the evening recordings are working for me. It's hard to pay I, attention, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> It's really hard. It, it is. Can't stop thinking about the man with the muffin. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. We're but with in you. In my head, there's a little gingerbread man going, "Do you know the muffin man?" <laughs> <laughs> muffin man. No, God, so off kilter. <laughs> no, we're with you. So she is. I know Angel of Death. It's a well-known thing. It's you, a well-known thing where someone takes on a caring role and then murders the people yes. they're taking care and of. And it's a bit like, uh, is it a bit kind of almost enjoying watching them die? And then also heroically feeling like you brought somebody back. So like controlling their consciousness Mm. and like how close they come to death. I'm sure who would expect Jolly Jane? No one suspected Jolly Jane, Jen. (laughs) How many people? Couldn't have been like shipment levels. Well, there were a lot. One patient, Amelia Finney, had an operation in 1887 and Jane gave her a a bitter dose of medicine, a dose of bitter medicine causing her to lose consciousness. And that's when Jane climbed into her bed beside her and starts hugging her and caressing her. But then something startled her and she stopped. But the next morning, Finney decided it all been a dream. Hugging her and caressing her. So this is what Jane is an unusual female murderer in that unlike most female murderers, her motive was sexual. Get the, maybe it was something about the last breath judder. 
Uh, in a kind of human vibratory. Uh, just think it. Yeah. So just think there's loads <laughs> of victims. So um, how did they? So she was up caressing and did, rubbing they, off. Wait, did she kind of dry hump? I imagine. I think, I don't know. Like, it seems very gentle. The caressing. caressing. But like, was she caressing her? This is so, I don't know. It's an amazingly sick and twisted thing, isn't it? For like, and a female nurse. Jolly Jane getting her Jolly, jolly Jane getting oh her God. dirty so bitch she was actually because she'd been recommended for private patients and stuff like that she was doing really well financially so at a time when most women only earned $5 a week she was earning $25 a week right but then outside of work she apparently was mad for guzzling the beer and telling dirty jokes <laughs> so just a bit of a wild one you know she had an elderly landlord and his wife and she killed them one by one. She later explained that they had gotten feeble, fussy, old and cranky. Cranky? Yeah. Insulting. And she later, her colleagues later remarked that she used to say she didn't see the point in keeping old people alive. <laughs> and given the year, they're probably only 35. You'd be long dead. Jen. She was keen to be around, though, during the time. <laughs> For their final judgment. Yes. In the final judder. In 1889, <laughs> a 70-year-old Mary McClear fell on a visit to Cambridge and her doctor sent to get Jane Topin, one of his best nurses, to look after her. And Jane just poisoned her. Right. A month later, she killed a close friend and um, so she could take her job as a dining hall matron at St. John's Theological School in Cambridge. She was high off her own power. Yeah. Jesus, she, she couldn't, no caution at all. She couldn't believe she was getting away with it. But yeah. the administration of that hospital kept getting complaints about her incompetence and loads of missing money. So she's like a petty theft as well, was just one of her kicks. I think Harold had ever heard of, of Jane. Jane. Oh God, yeah. Could it be? Like surely when well you're be. doing something like that, are you you're not like, a bit curious like, to be like, anyone else thought of well, this. that's it. I'm yeah. sure he must have. Although, do you know what? The internet the back internet. then, but you not great. Not, not what great, it is now. But in fact, barely, barely existing. But any library was like could guide you in the, in the way, could guide you to the, to the story of Jane. Yeah, but like, do you know the way like we can all like Google our weird interests privately now? Well, more or less privately apart from all the huge corporations that know our every move online. What's more private than a library? You can't go to a library and just like subtly ask the librarian if they have any information about snuffing out old people with morphine. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. 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 I I mean, you could warm up to it. I just wondered if anyone else has had this thought. Historically speaking, you know, so much more bad things must be happening because they're kind of garnering, you know, everyone has the thoughts. But then all then like the worst thing is for you to meet somebody who also has the bad thought and then the pair of you to be like, oh, no, this is normal. We like the two pals who killed Cassandra at the, at the party. Or... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But do you think that one just they just goad each other along? Or does like, one person suggest one kind of more dominant? Yeah, like do you ever like we've yeah. never even been in a conversation where someone's turned around to me like, do you ever think about murder? Do you ever think about killing somebody? Good question. Has that ever happened to you? What like have I ever chatted to anyone about killing has, anyone? But has anyone legitimately ever been like, do you ever think about just fucking stabbing someone in a real way? And not just in a And not just me asking someone else. Sometimes yeah. when I see, <laughs> sometimes when I see people tying their shoelaces on the canal, I get an urge to push, push them in. in. Sure. But I never do. There's a great video of like two pals like just walking down the road, 
like just like joking. And then the, there's a guy and the girl on the inside, sorry, outside close to the road. And he fucking pushes her just as the bus goes by. And she's like by a gee hair nearly dies under the bus and then he grabs her up off the ground they're like fucking hell <laughs> not funny but there's some there's yeah that's when jostling can turn deadly absolute fact fact no messing that's just good people having a bad day <laughs> <laughs> so remember her kind of adopted sort of pseudo sister yeah, Elizabeth her pal so Elizabeth was quite nice to her and would often invite her back to the house that she grew up in, up in for a little visit. And Jane sometimes would take her up in the invitation and go with her. But poor Elizabeth suffered desperately with depression. So Jolly Jane invited, she was on a vacation down in Buzzards Bay. In the summer. last fucking person you'd want. Nah, yeah. Jolly, Jolly Jane. Jane. Rubbing it all in. So she was on a vacation in 1899 and she invited Elizabeth to come with her. Just to watch someone walk around their garden. <laughs> just to Perhaps like, to take a visit to the garden. Just to take a break. in the garden. Um, and when she was there on the holiday, she was, Elizabeth was telling Jane about her depression and how sad she felt. And one day she was like, do you want to go to the beach for a picnic? Oh dear. And so they went off for a picnic. They had corned beef, seawater taffy and mineral water laced with drugs. And Jane said she held her in my arms and watched with delight as she gasped her light out. Jesus. So Jane killed poisoned her. her, mounted her on the beach. I think it's more that she held her in between her legs. I don't know, but she just like, she loves to just hold people as they die in my head. Oh. And she said it was joyous. She said she later, it later gave her delight. She watched with Delight. God, and the corned beef is the most offensive <laughs> thing of that whole lot. What the fuck is saltwater taffy? Oh, I mean, that if you're sounds gonna, delicious. A saltwater like taffy, like salt caramel nice. or yeah. something, delicious. But the corned beef. Oh yeah, okay. Gosh. I added the saltwater. It's just taffy in the story, but I'm just embellishing slightly to <laughs> no problem to find little nuggets of of fun there. Um, but I think if you're going to murder someone, isn't it a lot of, it's kind of a nice touch to give them a picnic before they go. <laughs> well, her and to do it in the scenic spot. Sure. But did she try and dispose of her body then? Don't know. Um, but she did return to the household She's to just find... Leaving, leaving a trail of corpses. Like. Yeah, but it's the 1800s, or 19, early 1900s. What is it? Uh, What's this do the century 19th thing? century. It's 18... It's the end of the 19th century. Okay, so she did return back to the house they share because Elizabeth's mother, no, Elizabeth's mother is long dead. dead. I think of, I don't know if Jane's probably caressed to death. (laughs) I just stroked to death. But her husband, Elizabeth's widower, uh, was there. Now widower. He now doesn't widower. even know he's no. a widow yet. So she's going back and Ooh. she wants to marry him. Um, within three days of returning to the household, she'll just kill the 77-year-old housekeeper because she's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She this took over. Like Jen on a rampage. She took over from the housekeeper and tried to impress the widower with her good housekeeping skills. And but... Um, that is alarmingly weird, <laughs> isn't it? He made it quite clear he didn't want her as a housekeeper or a wife. Oh, I actually feel bad for her. Imagine like ironing in an attempt to impress. Oh, look at me pressing these shirts. 
<laughs> what an aphrodisiac that must be. Funny old. Um, so when he said, when he made it quite clear, she decided that instead she'd go a bit Munchausen's on him and she'd poison him and nurse him back to health and that he that would, would win his, his affection. But that didn't work either. Then she said That's she like was the pregnant. While you were he sleeping. got pissed off and was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pregnant. It's juddering away in her, in her in his sleep. <laughs> so she got, she tried then she attempted suicide then with an overdose of her own morphine, but failed and went to the hospital. And then upon her release, she just went to stay with her old pal, Sarah Nichols, who was just um, a friend, just someone that she knew. But by the night, in my 1901, the Massachusetts state detective was following Jane Topin, suspecting her of killing the entire, like one entire family. So she has killed loads of people. This is like typhoid Mary, except yeah, but, different. But this is real intentional. Like she just didn't love making soda bread and didn't want to get out of the kitchen god love her and her peach cobbler ice cream yeah <laughs> gross so jane had rented a cottage from the inborn from the davis family it's the whole family of alden davis that she's accused of murdering at this stage but she hadn't kept up with the rent so alden davis's wife matty came to cambridge to collect but jane killed her with a cocktail of morphine and atrophine then she moved in with the elderly Alden Davis to take care of him. She took care of him, but then killed him and two of his married daughters, what the Minnie fuck? and Geraldine. Where's the, where's the detective guy that's supposed to be following her? No, this is why he's following oh, her. Oh, I see. Right. So Minnie's father-in-law suspected the sudden deaths of the entire family. <laughs> and he consulted, a, like he was very suspicious, as you would be if an entire family has just all randomly dropped, like not in one accident, all of them dead, dead. Um, and he consulted a toxicologist and got a judge to order Minnie's body exhumed. And an investigation revealed she died of the morphine poisoning. So police finally arrested Jane on October 29th, 1901. She went on trial for murder in the summer of 1902. And she confessed to her lawyer that she killed 31, at least 31 people that she could remember, but possibly up to 100 and what she said, the fuck? She said that she did it because her boyfriend dumped her when she was 16. <laughs> she said that he had given her a promise ring, but then moved to elsewhere in Massachusetts and fell in love with someone else. And she said, if I had been a married woman, I probably would have not have killed all those people. I would have had my husband, my children and my home to take up my mind. <laughs> no. So an incel. So it was really just a hobby. <laughs> yeah. It was, she just, it was like, crafting for the wicked like she just wanted <laughs> idle hands you know she just wanted something to do she really needed a project so it took an eight hour trial and a jury deliberated for 27 minutes and found jane uh, not guilty by reason of insanity so she spent the rest of her life at taunton state hospital dying on august 17th 1938 wow that she has to be the most prolific female serial killer of all time she must be. Has to be. That's an amazing amount of people to have killed. Yeah. And to have gotten away with it for so long. Lovely. Loved that. Bit of sex. Bit of death. <laughs> bit of death. Bit of caressing. It was just it had it all. Bit of hobby. It was gorge. Um, Give us your BuzzFeed again, Sam. I have no BuzzFeed. What am I doing? I've just got too much going on. I know. I I, that happens. You're it's like, hard oh. to follow all of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, um, so do you want to... I spent a lot of time with 9-11 this morning for no real reason except that I like to revisit it every few months. Why ever wouldn't you? It's so fucking grim, but I just am fucking obsessed with it. What has you keep coming back for I more? Just, Is it the dust? There's just so much. <laughs> it's the rubble. There's the rubble. It's the visual it's, impact. It's just high impact. So you, harrowing. You so many wonder. different. There's just so you could never finish getting to the bottom of this story. I think that's it. And all the very many things that happen in the app. But what about the plane, Sophs? What happened when your man got up from his seat and was like, presumably had a gun? Do we know? And like was some like, of I'm them taking had, like, over just box cutters. Oh, there was a few on the plane. Yeah, like there was um, oh, not, about 19 terrorists, I think, across the two planes. Jesus. Uh, I mean, it was awful, but what a thing to have accomplished. See, I am much more just going to talk on Sorry, over you there. I retract that. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like an unbelievable feat. You'd be like in your in your terrorist kind of club going, you know, be gas if we pull this off. And then you'd be like, there's no fucking way we're going to pull this off. And they did. And it's terrible. But, you know, A plus for... I can't. You must stop all this. Okay, right. I'll stop you there. I'll stop you right there. Please do. I think it's just that there's just so much. There's just so many different stories. Is there a conspiracy that it never happened at all? Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah, So much conspiracy story. Oh, like that it was like a hologram that the planes weren't planes, but they were missiles. And that they had like a a holographic plane fly into the towers and that's why like it, they didn't behave the way planes flying into towers would behave yes like there's loads of that I kind of feel like not giving that too much no not to worry yes. I don't know I mean just that it exists is enough for me to be like oh yes okay well like some some arguments like against or for it being a hoax is that like it justified America then getting into the Iraq war mm-hmm. and um, but I would I understand that if people if people's arguments was that it was like planted that it was planned by the Americans mm. but not that it just never happened at all yeah. or like that it was like a good total hoax like David Blaine doing something yeah yes. no 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 most people on the conspiracy theory side say that it was an own goal yeah, yeah. To get into a forever war. Yeah. Um, and and justify, yeah, invasion. Um, but I suppose what they're saying never happened is that the planes never happened, that like they were missiles and that what people were thought they were looking at were in fact holograms. Look, basically I, I believe it did did happen. And that's the end of it. That's all you need to know. Um so I was looking at uh a story of um, this guy called Stanley Pramnath, right? Mm-hmm. Who was on the 81st floor of the South Tower. Okay. Which is the second one struck that day. Very high. Very, very high. The second one was struck lower okay. than the first, if you remember. And it was struck pretty much on the 81st floor. Holy shit. And this guy, Stanley basically lived the ultimate nightmare of seeing 
the plane, the plane coming, coming in the fucking window straight at him. Well, so it did the second. So he would have seen and heard the first plane. Exactly. So he was in his office when the first plane hit the North Tower and he started evacuating immediately, just kind of obviously started leaving, got down to the lower stories when the building security guards told him that he should go back to his office. That South, Get the fuck out of here. South Tower was totally secure. And uh, and so Stanley popped back up to his office at pretty much just in time for that second plane, Flight 175, to crash into the building. Jesus. And the plane's left wing sliced directly through his office. Oh my god! Whoa! And became lodged in a door like twenty feet from him. Like, oh my god! Just over there, basically. Just there. Basically. The force and the sound and everything must have completely overwhelmed. Like, presumably, he was on the floor or pushed against a wall somewhere at that. Point. But like, did not just like fall through the floor. It no. It no, that's what the mad thing about both of them was that they lodged. That's what some of the people who say that it wasn't real oh, right. are like. With those planes should have flown out the other side or they should have hit hit and Banks, kind of fallen yeah. down the building rather than like sliced into it like butter. Um, but anyway, but, it really happened. It did happen. We know it happened. I don't have to Google a photograph of that. So are you telling me the planes sort of got stuck in the building? They, they, they just flew straight into Jesus. the buildings and they did not come out the other side. They just flew in. Yeah. You keep going. Um, so a yeah, like so basically Stanley literally saw like the like glowing orange engine that's on one of the wings like literally just coming straight at him and uh so he got stuck he was under he got under had gotten under a desk at the last minute and when the plane like like lodged in the office with him he stood back up and his the desk he had been under was the only fucking thing still standing in the entire fucking room. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? That's mad. And he was alive there. He was alive. In the room with the plane. Yes. Being like, what the... F-? I'm just Googling photos now and it's funny in my head, like the buildings dwarf this plane massively. I, you know what I mean? In yeah. my yeah. head, you're like a giant plane, but the building The buildings are huge. The building yeah, yeah. is 110 stories high. Unbelievable. And like I was walking down by Google and like today, how tall would you and say I was counting is? how it's many 12, I think, down there. floors Google is. Or 14. It, I mean, Google looks like 12 max. But that's huge and So like us. with, yeah, so for, like I was walking and I was looking up at it and I was going, okay, imagine the World Trade Center is like fully 10 times. Yeah. I mean, like 10 times the size of this. They were like 1,500 feet high. So like a kilometer and a half up in the sky. That's mad, isn't it? Oh, like they were colossal. I do enjoy that we had... Rockefeller. Like, and that's a fucking tall building. Have you guys ever been up to any of the tall ones in New York? Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Like you actually get... Yeah, it takes your breath away. You're like, sick. Like you feel a sense of vertigo just standing up there, just standing, looking down. Like I had to get back down off it pretty quick. I was like, what did he do? Um, Was he uninjured? He was not injured, um, but he was fairly trapped and he felt like he was going to need help to get out. Just to put more into perspective, okay? The spire in Dublin city centre is like 400 feet. And what's the towers again? 
1,500. Jesus. So it's three four of them mm. stacked. Like, isn't that fucking insane? Yes. And two of them side by side. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Horrible. So anyway, he started calling for help. And um, this guy called Clark, um, but where was his first name again? Brian Clark, um, was coming down from the 84th floor. Okay. So actually above. three floors above. And now everyone up there was like, oh no, it's impossible to get down any further. Any than the further. Plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so he heard Stanley crying for help. And he actually managed to find him Whoa. with a flashlight and with the, Stanley screaming like. And um, so uh, Brian Clark got him and he had come down with a bunch of his colleagues and they seeing all the chaos of the f- floor where the plane was. Decided. They were like, this is impossible. We'll we're never going to get down help. here. Um, so they decided to go back up and they all died. Fuck oh me. Oh, God. Because that is funny. So there was no, but would there have been, had been a way for them to get down? Down, you know, in hindsight. Yes, because Clark and Stanley did. Did. They've been told by several people that the whole um, stairwell was blocked further down. But they were like, we may as well just like go down as far as we can go and keep going as far as we can go because it's complete like it's the death zone up there. Fuck. And um, what was happening in terms of at the time as well, presumably fire had been started to envelop the site and was the building itself beginning to sort of crumble? No. So like the buildings themselves were built in the 70s. And they were like the Titanic of buildings in okay. that like, do you know the way everyone said the Titanic was the unsinkable ship? Yeah. Like when they built the World Trade Center, it they were like just these like feats of architecture and engineering. They were supposed to like withstand everything. Like obviously they were the tallest buildings in the world at the time that they were constructed. And so there was loads of attention yeah. to the fact that they were being built. And they were all like, they can have, they can withstand a... An impact of a plane was they something said it. that they said, but the planes then yeah, were right. smaller. Of course. Uh, and they didn't have these humongous commercial planes mm. at the time. They had like a seven, I can't remember what, what was it called? Like a 702 or something or a 720 or something. But like they hadn't got as far as the 747s yet. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Gotcha. So they could withstand the planes of the time, but planes moved on oh my god yeah and so then there was loads of like all, all do you this... think there was some pure person who was like don't say that and they're like ah, it'll be fine it'll be fine never happened never, never happened what are you talking about it's grand it's great claim great claim i mean if you look at them in the skyline they stand so far above the other fucking buildings even yeah. in manhattan like yeah. it's mad um and so they i think though the fact that they were going to come down I don't think was occurring to people in the moment because they're just such huge immovable objects. Didn't feel possible that it, that didn't, it would f- crumble. Yeah. So uh, the lads were in the stairwell. Mm. The two lads making are on their, their way, way down. down 80 yeah. floors on foot. On foot. The guys in the, above. In darkness Complete and darkness chaos. And presumably fires everywhere. everywhere. And the thing was like that 
things like this is really mad. For example, uh, in the towers, when the planes hit, um, they had jet fuel pouring down the lower oh God, floors yeah. on fire. Yeah. So people like a hundred stories below were getting burnt. Like um, one at one point, one fireman reported how he was in the lobby of one of the buildings and the lift opened and a fucking fireball fucking came straight oh out of the God. lift and like engulfed people in the lobby. Jesus. Yeah. Oh no, it just seems like such like Nightmare. an absolute hellscape. How long like, do you think it took for the above people, the gang who decided to stay, how, what did their sort of demise look like? I mean, is, like would they so be one hell? of the people who dro- who threw themselves out the window? Yeah, they were. So, like anyone above. So, for example, in the South Tower, um, there was only eighteen survivors from above the impact zone. Okay, so some people did survive, but eighteen out of like Hundreds. we're talking like there'd be like a quarter of a million people at World Trade Center. On any given day, Whoa. like two hundred fifty thousand people could be in the in buildings, and out. in and around. Yeah, milling. like yeah, like it's actually just it's just a that colossal is so place. Mind blowing, isn't yeah, it? To like oh, there's restaurants no, there. up there. Tiny head. <laughs> I tell you, it's a tiny cold. head. Not, not fucking there. there. COVID not nightmare. There. But yes, you're right. Fuck her. Um. So they on the upper floors, they were like the heat was. Boiling them alive. Insane. There, the smoke, thick black smoke. The panic and the, the trauma. And the people were starting to just break through windows or lots of windows blew out in the impact. And people's drive Air. for oxygen was just so powerful. They were hanging out the that, like They were yeah. hanging and they were stacked like several people deep. In many of the windows, oh, like oh you'd God. see like four or five of them on top of one another, just gasping for that, the last few breaths of air. And so then the mad thing is about that um, is that like a this is so wild, this story. It's just unendingly it wild. Ha- like, And there's so terrifying. many micro stories within. within. Mm. Like, um, like for example, the rest of Stanley and uh, Clark is that they actually made it all the way down and out of the building. Did they survive? They yeah. They survived. They Jesus. survived. Like, like 18 people survived from above the impact zone. And like, I don't know, like a very rough guesstimate of like how many people could have been up there. I mean, you could have been talking about a couple of thousand. Do you think they, did? They, do you know whether they passed people in the stairwell? I mean, did they sort of join up with the stairwell crew of people just go down, 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 run, run kind of thing? I mean, they were, I think that actually visibility and everything was gotcha. so bad that it's amazing they even stayed together. And so they got all the way down out, right? And then they walked two blocks from the South Tower. And like they didn't know each other. They barely exchanged words practically. And like they stopped and looked back at the scene. And Stanley said, you know, I think that building can come down. And Clark was in the middle of replying, those are steel structures. There's no way when he was cut off by the South Tower starting Fucking to collapse. Fucking hell. And so the dust cloud from the South Tower was like a mushroom cloud. In coming towards. It was them. like a nuclear winter 
just sort of was starting from that epicenter. You can imagine the the vibrations or the the earthquake feeling and then the secondary smoke bomb going off. The smoke bomb. And then I think we've all seen that footage of like the people who run inside the convenience store and you see it going perfectly from like clear September morning to pitch black outside. That's right. And it's just so the two of them immediately just started running, 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 absolutely pegging it away. They didn't know what was in that cloud. And we now know, now now, <laughs> know yeah. now that like there was cancerous stuff in that cloud. Yeah. People have been sickened since. And, but, and like it was the debris of such a, an unimaginably huge amount of concrete, steel, you jet think, fuel. Do you think people outside the paper. building gawking up saying, what the fuck, watching the plane watching another plane frozen to the spot and then enveloped by there would have been people on the ground who would have seen it just before it happened like that kind of oh that plane's yeah and i think see the initial like confusion of like oh this is just a terrible thing that's happened like a terrible accident yeah like that lasted for about 15 minutes Mm. Until the second plane hit. is that the length of time between the two hits? But you not remember being and I remember live that sure, like, only we were in watching, school. Didn't yeah. someone wheel in a television? Into yeah, our, yeah, into we our, were watching yeah, it. We watched live it in school. Yeah. And sure, I was. The, yeah, you guys have been teenagers. <laughs> I was like, how inappropriate! I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went to. To- I remember this vividly. Like I went to the toilet in the middle of um, like classics. We were in down in the fifth house room mm. and. Uh, Somebody who I just didn't know at all, like just some other student was like, a plane's flown into the World Trade Center. And I was like, what? Like I barely even understood the sentence. And I went down to Mr. Valley's class and said, someone's just said a plane's flown into the World Trade Center. And everyone went over to Mr. Lang's class. To watch together. And everyone watched. And the second plane hit when everyone was watching. Yeah. That was what was so fucking terrible. I was at home and a parent of one of the children my mom used to mind came in and was like, like that, a plane has flown in and turn on the TV. And we were all standing around it. And remember watching it as it was, it was announced that the second but that's it because the cameras the were rolling hour. and mm-hmm. then we were all live watching this that must have been one of the first times live together the world kind of w- literally watched something happen whenever before had that sort of With event no ha- had knew, been captured live and no yeah. one knew like what was happening or, or like, that another plane obviously was coming or except Al-Qaeda yeah who were also watching presumably yeah delighted um, and it's so funny because at, no, it's not funny, but it's so strange that at the time the uh, broadcasters were uh, broadcasting a live stream of everything that was happening. But as time went on and the people started jumping, they all backed off with the coverage. Mm, they had to get out of the crash zone. They I think were, they realized. Well, no, but they realized that they were filming people's deaths. Oh, sorry, with people jumping out of the buildings. Out of the buildings, yeah. So then they were like we pulling back Jesus. because it was, they just felt like it was gratuitous that people were having to watch that. But it's such a weird distinction to make because that was still an act of, that was a part of the act of terrorism. But Do you know what I mean? But that was an individual then we were seeing as opposed to this sort of event. Oh, this kind of faceless event. Yeah. But, and yeah. that's, I suppose, what made it so traumatic was watching it in real time and not... And like everyone realizing what was happening together. So like mm, you did mm. see footage of people jumping mm. and then realizing how bad it is. And obviously that's what they wanted. It's not just obviously the greatest impact of the families of the people who were there. But like the 
the lasting the way, the, yeah, the way it felt like the world was unsafe for everyone else then was just terrifying yeah it's like with the jumpers like it was a really uh, strange kind of um like unsaid thing that they kind of have tried to minimize that aspect of this so like for example in lots of the documentaries and stuff that used found footage they um took out the sounds of people hitting the ground outside the buildings because you could hear that on yeah the, so yeah. there's like footage Fucking from inside yeah. the um buildings before they came down where there's like people on their phones or of no like well no no i mean just general footage of like you can see like firemen trying to direct people out of the building okay. things like that all chaos going on and you can kind of hear this sort of intermittent sounds literally like explosions oh god but it's it's people dropping outside and uh they've kind of almost airbrushed it out of the whole event do you think of those people that jumped some starved of oxygen knowing they were dying mm. presumably knowing that uh, like, I think it's just that they, I think pretty much every like or falling out or they something. were saying that some people fell out some people were blown out by the force of the blast yeah um, and then or part of their building falling away or yeah or literally just the kind of chaos that was panic. raining at the window but like it's definitely but if it was black inside people chose and you saw a light you know you're totally disorientated you see a light you're moving towards the light you're running towards a light you could accidentally run out of the building I think that they were choosing a lesser of two evils I just think that the <sighs> hell they were in in those upper floors they just ch- said I'm gonna so, just take certain death but I'm not gonna burn up here you do know you what know mean? how long it was 10 before, seconds to drop to the ground 10 seconds Jesus that's not do we know how long it was before uh, sorry between the building collapse and sorry the plane hitting and then the and, collapse oh yeah you know? I mean it was about 45 minutes I think okay I so think enough time 40? to be like this death that I'm experiencing is terrible oh no the, the jumping began like Straight away. For if I think about like maybe 15, 20 minutes after okay. the first plane hit. Like fucking That no. it was just so hopeless up there that they, that they, I mean, I think I 100% would jump. Do you think? Well, I mean, I'd be fucking <laughs> terrified of both things. I'm ready to jump now. But like, <laughs> I just feel like the. Oh God. So I've, I've just, I hadn't, I've Googled it as we were talking. I didn't realize when you were saying there are people stacked there's literally people stacked people stacked at these windows so on top of each other like yeah. lying on top of each other and hanging out oh yeah yeah fucking no, it's, hell it's so intense that's an absolute night and there's a very iconic photograph of one man well I'm about yeah. to tell you a little tiny bit about How that the falling man please well, do so basically um, journalists because like almost in real time as they were covering the event there was an almost kind of tacit agreement that they weren't going to cover the people who were jumping from the top of the towers do yourself a favour and don't google that well, you reckon that image is so like, like so in, inside that for it's all, just the amount of people that jumped well, that's the thing. So this journalist in the aftermath wanted to write about 
people who jumped because he was like, it's really weird that we're like airbrushing them out of the whole event. Yeah. And like they were victims of the terrorists. Like mm. they well, didn't. It's not a shameful act. No, exactly. And, and and trying to airbrush them out of the thing is almost like giving credence to it being shameful in yeah. some way, which of course it's not. And so he rang the New York coroner's office and asked for an official figure on how many deaths were due to jumping. And? And she said, none. What? We don't class any deaths as at the World Trade Center suicide. as okay. jump as I due see. to jumping. They all were blasted Victims from the building. Of a terrorist attack. No, no, like oh, she would say they were blasted from the building. Like they wouldn't even um kind of allow for the fact that people up there, some people chose to jump rather than I burn guess from or, the position mm. of the families of the of those victims, it, it, it that's muddy. So like it's even harder to picture your loved one making that decision, exactly. having to make that yeah. decision. So I can see why maybe that was the party line on that front. Well, on the iconic um, picture of the falling man, uh, which is the the man inverted head um, first, head first man. Yeah. And he's falling against the vertical lines of the tower. It's really famous. And basically it was taken by an Associated Press uh, photographer um, called I think his name was Brian Drake and basically he was shooting um, Drew sorry Drew was his name he was shooting the attacks as they were happening and like he was just on autopilot capturing everything pretty much and then he took all his pictures back to the Associated Press desk in the Rockefeller Center I can't even comprehend how he went from that scene up to then go up this other iconic building in New York and like how he could even do that and so all those pictures were just, um, you know, like AP, everyone can access those pictures and yeah. buy them and use them. So his picture was printed in the New York Times. It was printed in uh, another paper in Boston called The Morning Call, I think it was called. And like there was massive outcry at this picture being shown mm. um, at all. It was like people just felt that this was like just it's a very too much. It was picture. too graphic. Mm. Um it is really distressing um, and loads like this an outpouring of editors letters to the editor like just condemning the papers who had printed it and um, like basically a journalist got really obsessed with finding out the identity of the falling man so like in the aftermath of the attacks so like nearly 3,000 people perished basically yeah. and they identified they I went through the remains for months and months and months and down to two homeless men who died in the attacks being identified like they literally left no one really un, uh, you know, unclaimed or yeah. uncared for, you know, that kind of way. Like they really they took such a level of care Um and so this uh, editor had charged this journalist with finding out the real identity of the falling man. And he went, like, examined the picture in detail, you know, decided that the man could be Latino or he could be a black man, could have a goatee. Like, they kind of ascertained all these facts about him. And um, it looked like he was wearing a chef's jacket. Mm. And so the windows on the world is this restaurant that was up um, above the crash site on one of the towers and they were convinced that he worked there and that he was a chef and so they started just trying to through process of elimination figure out who he was and he uh, the journalist ended up identifying him as a guy called Norberto Hernandez and 
He went to Hernandez's family who were obviously grieving and in shock. Mm. And the journalist had like scoured Manhattan looking for clues as to who this guy was, trying to track down people who worked in Windows in the World to like identify him, all this, all this. He finally saw a picture of Norberto on a missing person sign in Times Square. Wow. Just randomly and was like, that guy fits the bill. That could be him. That's who he is. And the thing was, it was chaos in Manhattan. Yeah. Like there was just missing people signs everywhere. Gosh, and the thing so was bleak. like uh, the whole kind of, uh, you know, all the structures and society had kind of fallen apart temporarily yeah. in the aftermath. Like because all of the aid was going to like clearing ground zero, trying to excavate bodies. They had de- they'd given over loads of like the piers down the south end of Manhattan Island to um, like victim aid stuff so like almost every single company that operated or had an office in world trade center had now a weird like ad hoc stand down by the pier where people could go and try and identify loved ones just based off employee records and like it's just mad like just uh, the actual chaos of it is so hard to comprehend um so anyway he found norberto's family and they were disgusted oh, that this God. could be their father. Yeah. And yeah. it like, it actually gets really, oh, I don't know, weird. Like the journalist like went to his funeral and tried to show the picture what to the eldest of the, his daughters. What did they think the reaction was going to be there? I mean, that's so insensitive. It is unbelievably insensitive. When she was showing the picture, the daughter said, that piece of shit is not my father. Like, they were, like, incredibly Catholic family. Yeah. And, like, they, there was no room in their minds for an impossible decision or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So, or, like, yeah. being literally blown out of or the window. Or being blown out of a building. Exactly. It was, it was so crazy. A, their attitude was so crazy. Then the journalist's attitude was so but crazy. But, like, leave them alone. Like, yeah, like why? When someone's in that kind of process, to confront them with something that's Bizarre. going to he just change whatever coping mechanism they've developed in their head. Yeah, change that dude whatever is a bottom story feeder. they need to hold on to. Fuck him. And then it's basically what happened was trying to make his career famous on the back of their dead dad. Well, this story was picked up worldwide. So it then became not just him at the funeral with this horrendous photograph, but. Uh, news outlets like globally identifying the falling man as this guy Norberto Hernandez but and it wasn't they... fucking him oh, oh my god. god yeah so now so they found her, uh, Hernandez's now, body if then. you google like falling man a lot of your initial results will still say was identified to be Norberto Hernandez uh, when in actual fact they now believe that it was a guy called Jonathan Briley, who was uh, a sound engineer who did also work at Windows on the World. And um, it's now fairly unanimously agreed that actually it was him. And his own family was actually really heartened to okay. have some evidence of him and just any knowledge of what happened. So was his would his body have been pretty much vaporized on impact? I mean, there would be no real 
No, I think that there was a lot of bodies on the ground. Okay. Like a lot of the jumpers were identified through their things. He was uh, identified. Yeah, the falling man was identified because of this orange T-shirt that was like on under his shirt. Gotcha. And um, good Lord. Yeah, Yeah. But it's just so, so mad how. Like that picture just uh, like divided so many people on like a mass scale. Like people did not want to see that picture. And then these two families become embroiled in the picture. And like one family, for one family, the picture symbolizes just the unimaginable, the unthinkable for them. Mm. And then this other family actually had this like weird sense of kind of closure from it. Well, I guess maybe some time had fucking passed. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the day of the funeral that they were looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I would say a thousand percent. What the fuck were you thinking there? Jesus. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those images that's so like in it, it of itself isn't traumatic looking. It's the anticipation around it and knowing Mm. the events around it and knowing like seeing that desperation. Well, there's pictures in the same series that have kind of come to light since. It's so funny because that picture was almost like erased from public consumption for a period of time. Mm. But it was on Rotten.com. Yeah, there you go. Fucking Rotten.com. But the other pictures from the same series, there's something about Falling Man that like he's quite contained in the fall. Like... It's he's not flailing or panicking. Yeah, yeah. It looks almost serene, mm. and you can't because it's cl- cut closely in on him. You can't see any of the context. You can almost pretend that you know. It's just diving off a diving. It note. could be uh, if you didn't know the circumstances around the thing. It's still a harrowing picture because he's upside down, beside juxtaposition beside a building. So you yeah. know what's happening, but yeah. to know that that's from. But it's the not day like so. It's not chaotic or like yeah fearful whereas some of the other images from the same sequence are just Jesus. like yeah you know terror the terror yeah it's um Jesus. it's just unbelievable what an amazing i often think of was it the fire brigades some of them in new york rushing in to assist mm. And then, uh, you know, rushing to their death. Just knowing that they're going to die. Yeah. 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 They did know that. Yeah. Or running up the stairwells, you know, to um, to like, try and get people out. It's or, an incredible thing to be one of those people on the front line. Who you, just, did you move or you moved your car? Those people who run into action because, yeah, like that, you know, but like they must have just... The, felt compelled you never hear stories of someone who's running towards and stopped and was like not for me which in a way there should i mean if you'd got to weigh it up i mean if you're running in towards somebody to collect a dead body do you know yeah but it isn't that an incredible thing in people that there are those people who will run into something like that yeah because they just Just know that they need to help people go against what you would believe to be uh, you know a basic instinct it's sort of overriding it's ama- it is amazing yeah you have yeah. to go Act against everything your body is probably heroism. screaming yeah yeah completely with t- so many unknowns like n- like it's n- even people who would have entered the first tower before knowing that the second tower was going to be hit yeah and not n- and then having that level of fear above you not knowing what was coming next and to run in and still try and save people oh yeah and like 
I suppose as well, like they just had no blueprint whatsoever for it. Like no buildings had ever even come down. Like even just being in the surrounding area was so insanely volatile. Like was a building of that size going to fall straight sideways and have a footprint of a kilometer and and a half? And then the chaos of everyone running, like a quarter of a million people running away from that area. Yeah. And like there's so many stories of like people carrying each other to safety there was i read one story about them carrying this blind man like just blocks and blocks and blocks and not putting him down like just you know just yeah and that's the mat like everything ground to a halt so like there was nothing but to flee on foot there was a woman who ran like down from the top stories a barefoot across the lobby and out into safety, barefoot, like the entire way over glass and fire. And like, uh, I read one story about a guy who escaped from quite high up um, on the first building. And he, uh, he did have just this like harrowing kind of escape down out of the building. And then he was trying to get through to his family to tell them that he'd survived. Um, no, and he couldn't get through to them yeah. or anything but like his brother worked in NYU so he just like started up the island of Manhattan was like I have to get there I have to get there and let him know I'm alive and this was like you know kind of 10 and 11 in the morning like yeah. so there there was hours of them probably believing he was dead Jesus. and then he got there and they took him in at NYU and they couldn't find his brother or anything but it was then that he once he was in the safety of his brother's colleagues that he realized like he couldn't see anymore and uh his whole eyes became extremely painful and they took him to the hospital and he had to have something like 200 glass splinters removed from his eyeballs and he'd gotten but he had gotten that far on adrenaline yeah and then basically when it left his body they were like we don't know how you even fucking made this yeah it's crazy. What a fucking story. Jesus. It's funny, like, things like that just get shelved away sometimes in just, like, mad events that happened in the past. But, yeah. my God, when you dig in, you're like, holy fucking mm. shit. I remember listening to a podcast before from Story Corps featuring um, the people who worked in the airport who had been coping with the fact that they had checked these oh terrorists good onto point. the plane good for point. their entire lives that they have been dealing with this and they I mean it's not like they did everything appropriately to their job that day but the level of like the the living with that guilt for oh my god you can't actually imagine like no oh it's crazy Amazing story. Thank you. God, that I've was got a roller coaster. I've got part like, two of that story oh, no. for the uh, Zoom tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. I'll well, have to recover. On. The from Zoom this. happens before this episode goes live. So <laughs> oh, you have to take yeah. yeah. Zoom. You're grand. You can no, recap it's okay. Us. They're two standalone things, but well, that was like, incredible. You can Thank just you. Go and go and go with it. Like, there's just so many incredible stories. There really is. That, yeah. Wow. Anyway, thank you. This has been a great episode. Loads of meat. Loads of My head is spinning. I know. Of feelings. Emotional whiplash. God, we've gone through thank everything. You so much. It started off really funny and now the world just seems... It was a bad day in the simulation. No, no. This is good. It's a story of survival and adrenaline and, you know, working together and, you know, there's loads of good bits anyway. Who cares? We're all going to die anyway. Just and trotting towards death. Thank you. 
Thanks to our patrons, by the way. Uh, you're honestly, so amazing. And, we uh, fucking adore you guys. You are our beloveds. Yeah, you really Thank you are. so much. It's such a gift, isn't it? It really is. It's, you know, everything's gone to shit, obviously. But uh, this hasn't. And because you've buoyed us up, you are the wind beneath our wings. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. It's true, isn't it? You're yeah. like powering us forward. It's and there's fucking people amazing. who are listening to this who probably like skip forward whenever we mention the patrons. They're like, oh, fuck this. We do love the people who listen. Anyway, but we would love you more <laughs> if you, if you went over to com forward slash creep dive. Anyway, so we'll see you there away. on Thursday. If you're listening, it'll be the next Thursday. But for us, it's tomorrow for the live Zoom. Can't wait. Can't wait. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you want to get a chiseled look in the jawline sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from juvederm volux xc juvederm volux xc is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.